and welcome to episode five of the 1099 podcast. It is the week of, man, the summer is going fast, August 3rd, a rainy, gross, warm day in Jacksonville, Florida. Every week it's been that way. It's, one of these days it's actually going to be sunny. Uh, I have two guests today, the first of which is a regular on Ariel Hawani's weekly The MMA Hour show, as well as The MMA Beat every once in a while, whenever he wants to. And also works with different organizations like Invicta and also Glory. It's Eric Jackman. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and that is correct. Glory Kickboxing actually has an event uh, coming up this week. Uh, Glory 23, Raymond Daniels versus Nikki Holskin. That's some good stuff right there. I did not realize that was this week, so thank you. You let me know. That's awesome. I'm also joined by... One of my good friends who, if it wasn't for him, I would not be getting paid to write about video games. He uh, is the owner of the Good Game Bro YouTube channel, as well as the founder of Stick Skills, which I wrote for for a long time. It's Doug Vini. Doug, how you doing? Uh, two things. Thanks for getting my name correct. And two, I'll take that check uh, from all this money you're making on GameSpot. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, no lie. I actually looked up your YouTube channel before this to make sure that uh, I could hear you pronounce your own name so I wouldn't call you like... <laughs> Like you see something weird, as, Mr. Vinny. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Vinny. As someone named Josiah Renauden, I like do my best to not fuck other people's names up because I know how annoying it is. I've been called Josh more than Josiah in my life. Thanks for having me on, Josh. There's yeah. No problem. Uh, so before we get into anything, I think it's interesting to tell a little bit of the story of how we actually all met because I used to call into the MMA hour pretty often as eric probably knows uh i actually sent in the one thing i do remember i sent in you guys had a competition where we were trying to do john fitch faces uh and john fitch is a former ufc fighter currently world series of fighting fighter uh and whoever would win would get tickets to a show and i was going a really gross college beard then the kind of beard where like there's just patchiness and it looks like you might be living in a box uh, so pretty similar to the one I'm growing now. Exactly. <laughs> so, and it was kind of a John Fitch looking beard and I won that competition. And I remember, uh, I think that's why you followed me on Twitter because you need to DM me. And from there we started talking and then I realized that you and Doug had somehow been friends beforehand. I don't, how'd you guys meet? Should I, should I tell her or you, or you want to do it? I just want to put it out there. Eric was like, I've known you probably since like 2000, like early 2000s. And this yeah. dude, I thought was like the coolest dude like online. We posted on IGN's message boards. And uh, he was like this mysterious dude who would always come in with like the best trolls. And so like you'd post a topic and you'd see like LeBron posted, which was his username. And then I would read it and I was like, oh, snap, that's so funny. <laughs> and then uh, I started a website like a couple years later, which turned into Stick Skills. And like he ended up being one of the first people to join. Uh, but yeah, it, you can go on with what your side is. That's uh, that that's actually like tied into when you were introing him because the name of the website there was who is uh, Dougie Vini. So that's how a lot of people learned how to pronounce his name <laughs> uh, was from that message board being yeah. named after him. And uh, I mean, that also reminds me that I, I feel like and Doug, you correct me if I'm wrong on this. I may have invented the idea of like these meme pictures um, <laughs> in the way yeah. that like after every single um, post I would just come up with a reaction picture and now I didn't have like the impact text over it um, yeah. that would have definitely elevated me to the next level but I'm are gonna you... just say on this show that I can take credit for inventing memes <laughs> I was say, um, are you saying you invented memes like single-handedly single-handedly I am the guy and you Why? can trace that back on the internet I didn't know uh, using the way back machine. I, like, who cares about that other stuff? You're the inventor of memes. This is a big podcast. Let, like, all right. You know, you know how I'd really say it is like I'm the guy right before the guy who invented memes. Oh. Like I did it and then he just perfected it. So before it was popular, you yeah. were there. You're I'm a the hipster, hipster. of memes. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you know, back in those days, um, I was big into, uh, into video games. Dougie was big into video games and he had created this forum uh, for video games, you know, after IGN. So we, we had been posting on IGN, then he created his, his own thing. It was a really like uh, deep and, and um, you know, impactful community in my life. No, 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 no. The for site me, sucked. Mm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. For me, it like changed my life. And I've told him this, you know, many times. It really gave me like an outlet for, you know, sports and video games that, you know, played a prominent role in my development throughout high school and college. Not in the sense that like, you know, it taught me these, these important life lessons, but it did teach me about like interacting with people online. Um, and as, you know, somebody of my age who grew up in like an internet community, um, it was huge. And, and those types of message boards were, were huge for me to kind of, you know, interact with other smart and kind of witty people and talk about these topics that I was 
you know, interested in. And they were very niche at the time, you know, video games, I'd say were very popular, but not in the way they are today where people are making, you know, millions of dollars off YouTube ads. Um, this, this was a little bit before that where, you know, it, it was still a, it was still a niche topic, much like MMA is, which, you know, I make my trade in now. Um, but it, it really, you know, it, it, it opened my eyes to the power of internet communities. And, you know, since then, um, I feel like that's that's branched out into things like Twitter and social media, and uh, this this was the the origin of that. It was it was very influential in my life. Uh, and I mean, not to keep heaping so much praise on Doug, but it was influential <laughs> in my life too because of the fact that uh, when I came on the site, I was inexperienced. I was ever since I was like fifteen, I was always like, I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna find a way to make money writing about video games, and that's one of those. Seems really dumb. Like when you tell people that, they're like, okay, yeah, but then you're going to work in a cubicle and you're never going to do this. And Doug had the site and brought me on. It was much bigger than the site I was writing for at the time. And over the course of whew, it was one, two years, I was on there for a while. We yeah. drastically increased traffic. We went from a staff of two to about, at one point, it was like 12 or 13. There's a lot of people on there. And really, even though at the time, of course, that was it was all passion project for us where it wasn't about money. It was about fostering writers uh trying to break news and do cool things but that was some of the most fun i've ever had writing about video games because of just the, the there wasn't there wasn't a lot of pressure but we put pressure on ourselves in a way that we wanted to create the best content possible could you talk doug kind of like the evolution of that site and i know uh you don't run it anymore it's there's yeah. only so much, so many different ways you can stretch yourself because you have the full-time job and you're doing that youtube channel so kind of what were the different stages of that site and then how it ended for you yeah, I mean, I pretty much had to step down uh, due to all the stripping that I do in, in my personal life is my real job. But uh, no, I mean, the, the site was awesome. Like, you know, when I started it and when Eric and some other people had joined initially, um, it was this really crappy site. I really know what I was doing. So the site would go down sometimes. And then I would just like type into uh, the chat for like my server company all the time in like all caps. They'd be like, help, my site is down. I don't know what I did. Like, And then like over time, you just kind of you figure out things, then the internet got faster and like DSL and cable came and so you're getting like better stuff. But I think really, I think like the first time it ever was like cool to me was when I had like 100,000 uh, visitors in like a year, like in my second year that I'd run it. And I was kind of like, what? <laughs> and then, you know, it started to progress. I changed the name because you can't really market to companies like who is com as a legit gaming website. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like ultimately I switched to WordPress and then EA uh, Sports, or I guess EA called me in general in 2008 and said like, hey, we saw your website. We want to fly you out for an event. And I like anything that's free 99. So I was like, of course, I'll go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went to a couple of events. And then next thing I know, I had more writers. And then I remember you had reached out to me. And then I added you. And the next thing I know, you're like doing all this super official stuff. And you're at PAX. And you're doing all these interviews. And then we're starting to blow up. And I'm like, I don't really understand. Servers are crashing. <laughs> and no, it was just, it was really cool just to watch it go from a senior project in high school that I did into something that was like people actually genuinely cared about and were investing time into. I used to have a blast just uh, bringing up the Google Analytics and going on like the live oh, viewers. Yeah. And then we would have a certain feature or a certain news story or something that we knew we got. And it was really good. It was a breaking thing. And post it and just watch what would happen. Because back then, I mean, once again, it was a passion project. And every time something hit, it was that much more rewarding. Not for the money, but for like, cool people are noticing this thing we're doing. We had this big Facebook group where all the staff were there and we ran that shit <laughs> like oh like it God. was an official organization. I was about to say that it's just insane, um, you know, how much of an influence Dougie has had on both our lives for being such like a garbage human being. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew, I mean, the one thing, I've influenced you so many ways, Rick, but I'll never be able to influence your jump shot because that thing is just horrible. So I can't. I actually, it. coincidentally, right before this podcast, I was actually at the park uh, playing a game and you know you're gonna you're gonna poo poo it, but I actually hit like three, I'd say thirty foot J's in a row to win the game, and then no. I literally ran to my backpack, grabbed it, and ran off the court. And I was like, guys, I swear to God, you're gonna want to think that I won this game on those three jumpers and then jet um, because I don't want to play again. But I swear I have to record a podcast, and they just gave me dirty looks. So I'm in trouble with the local dudes at the park because we oh, played yeah. one game, I hit the the J's to win, and then I jet. Um, so this podcast has actually gotten me in trouble with some of my local, uh, basketball buddies. That seems like a time to just retire from like 
pick up. Yeah, maybe I just won't go back. Maybe I'll just like do a traveling um, circuit with Gilbert Arenas, just like robbing (laughs) carnivals. How about you? Just an urban myth or whatever. Like the last time we saw, he had three thirty-foot jumpers and left. Never seen him again. Blindfolded? I don't know what was going on. He had no legs either. It was crazy. Like you're just (laughs) going to become this figure. Uh, so also during the stick skills time, you started a sister site to it, uh, which you still run the YouTube channel, uh, which was all sports focused. So talk a little bit about that if you could, Doug, and what you're doing with it. I know the subscriptions and all the views have like really exploded recently. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to call myself like Doug Stradamus or anything, but, uh, <laughs> Please do. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, basically what happened is that towards the, the lat or I guess the end of stick skills, I was kind of noticing like. I was like, you know, I think I need to do something else because people are getting away from sort of like the long form media and like it's really tough to kind of. Uh, and I was also thinking like if Josiah ever leaves and I know that he will, cause he's going to go on and do great <laughs> things like it's going to be tough to really get all that content like curated and constantly talking to people about it. I just kind of want to do my own thing. And so this was kind of like, you know, a backup plan. Um, and thank God I actually did that. But Good Game Bros, like just sports and shooters. And uh, it was a website for a little bit that was kind of in the same vein as stick skills, but uh, I've kind of transitioned it to just a YouTube channel and it's literally my like thing. Like I literally love doing something that's literally just me and I can say whatever I want and I don't have to worry about someone saying like, well, actually that's not part of our brand and like, <laughs> or like all these crazy things. So it's just been, I mean, it's great. Like I get about 2000 subscribers a month um, right now. And so it's just like exponentially growing and I literally like I see all these kids that are commenting and they like love these little sports series, the career series that I do or I'll do a tips and tricks. And some people say like, you suck. Like these didn't help me at all. Or like these really helped me. And it's just I don't know. It's like instant feedback where a website sometimes people read things. And you don't know the impact that it has on them until like weeks or sometimes a month or sometimes you never even know. You're kind of getting into YouTube right as I mean, it, it's it's growing ridiculously with all these gaming channels. I mean, I, I, of course, like there's always this part of me where I'm more of a traditional writer, but I want to transition into this. You, I think you told me that you would actually talk to someone who uh, is very into how to get subscribers, how to get views. Is that true? Were you actually consulting with someone during this process? You know, I consulted literally everyone I possibly could. Like if you had a YouTube channel and you had significant, like a, d- a decent following, I was probably hitting you up like, yo, I just want to pick your brain. Um, but I mean, you know, Eric will know this, but when I started WIDV, which became Stick Skills, uh, we had a guy named Brennan who now has like 1.2 million subscribers. Gold Glove is his like handle. Mm. Um, and he is ginormous. But like when he made stuff back then, everyone was like, these these YouTube montages are stupid. Like, why are you making them? And he would like post them, post them, post them. And then he's getting like 30,000 views, 40,000 views. And then now he's like, the dude just bought a house from YouTube. So I was like, holy crap. I remember that like like it was yesterday um, <laughs> when he would come out with these videos and we were just clowning on it, um, just being like, this is the corn, like the most cornball stuff. And the funniest part about it was like, I, I was pretty sure I was the best um, Call of Duty player, you know, on the boards yeah, at that yeah. time. And I was like super nasty and Brendan was like pretty good, but I always like felt like I was super nasty. Yeah. I never saw like he saw something that I just didn't have the vision for in terms of it doesn't really matter, you know, if you're the be- absolute best player in the world. You go to the tournaments and win those and if you're the best player in the world. He had a vision for like, you know, creating content and making videos out of it um, without being, you know – I I don't know where he stands right now. I can't say I'm like into the video game circuit like I used to be, Um, but he may very well be the best player in the world. But I feel like, you know, there's a market for just people who are, you know, fun to listen to and can create content that people are interested in without, you know, being the best player. Um, that's not necessarily the the goal anymore. Um, and I didn't have the vision for that. I was just like, Oh, I'm watching videos to learn how to become the best (laughs) player in the world. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, if I'm watching somebody who's funny or not funny, but now I'm realizing that I completely missed the boat on that. And I probably should have uh, started making my own videos. It's shocking how big that stuff has become. And you're right. It's not just about, you know, you go to a YouTube video for video games and you just look up tips and tricks. There's some guys who, exclusively play horror games and you see their crazy reactions to it. There are guys who are bad at video games, but they have just a really funny personality and they get that following that they want to see. They want to hear their opinion on games that are coming out. To be honest with you, I think I watch people play and talk about video games more than I actually play video (laughs) games. And it's become this weird thing that you're right. A lot of people looked at that stuff and they'd be like, this is back then. This is stupid. Why are you doing this now? The, 
the Gold Glove, the 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 people like that, uh, Rooster Teeth, Giant Bomb, they were doing this a long time ago, and now it's massive. Now it's honestly <laughs> a lot of people who just write about video games get nervous at this point because <laughs> the popularity of that is still there, but it's nothing compared to this growing YouTube audience. Look at Greg Miller and uh, Colin Moriarty. Like I love both of those guys at IGN, and I read mm-hmm. like everything they wrote. And now they're doing mostly video stuff. And I still like watch all of their videos because I love their personality. Yeah. It's just easy to digest now where I can't sit down and read for like 30 minutes at a time. But I can watch a video that's five, six, eight minutes long really quickly. They also have like that other – the Patreon, the other source of income where people mm-hmm. are doing GoFundMe, Kickstarters. If you, if you have the big personality like Greg Miller, like Jim Sterling, you can put yourself out there on Patreon. I think Jim I – and mean, not to talk about people's money, but I think Jim Sterling's Patreon was up to like – Ten to twelve thousand a month. Uh, I love Jim Sterling. He's fantastic, and he's one of the nicest guys out there. Uh, yep. It's it's crazy, and it it's it, I don't, I don't want to break it down in these simpler terms, but a lot of these people had built their brands from these sites, from GameSpot, from Destructoid, from IGN, where of course you know the site is the central hub where all these people are, but certain people would stand out, and they would stand mm-hmm. out, and you get you know over a hundred thousand Twitter followers, and then there's this point once Patreon. Uh, started to become a viable thing they could leave like greg miller and all of them left for kind of funny and start this campaign and make more money not being tied to a big company like that it's it's a weird world where i we're just kind of still on the start of it especially with patreon um i don't know how viable it'll be in the future i don't know if a lot of people will eventually back out of pledging to them every single month who knows but it's such a weird time but it's such a fun time i are you seeing a certain return, Doug, from Good Game Bro that, of course, you have your full-time job. You're not going to quit that and just do YouTube right now. But do you see kind of a return from all the hours you're putting into it? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a return. It's, like you mentioned, not enough where I could like quit Rosetta Stone and be like, oh, I'm just going to do this or whatever, which would be cool. But um, there's enough return where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this. Like I stay up till like 1 or 2 in the morning editing videos and making thumbnails for kids that are probably like 13, 18 years old <laughs> that watch my videos. But like... It's just it's so much fun and it's so rewarding. And then having some financial stuff that comes back out of it where I can upgrade my computer or I can, you know, buy a game that I was like maybe on the fence for. Like, it's really nice. Yeah. Not to be like that, that kind of like sappy guy. But 10 years ago, I was that 13 year old kid that <laughs> he was making these the forums and the videos and stuff for. Um, so it's, you know, even if there's not a financial gain, I mean, there's obvious value in it. Um, and, and the connections you make and the people you meet along the travels. Um, I think that that's one of the most underrated kind of parts of, um, social media and, and this idea of working for yourself and, and kind of producing content is, is the connections that you make, um, to other people that can also help elevate your platform and you can help elevate theirs. Um, because it's a very, it's a very selfish, um, system where it's, I'm creating this content. Look at me. Uh, if you like it, participate if you don't i don't really care but then at the same time it's all it's also a very connecting thing um where if you're willing to learn and willing to you know make those connections you know you're you're you can grow your own brand and you can help other people grow their brand um it's a very interesting time and i feel like i'm a little bit before it i don't understand it as well as i'd like um i feel like a bit of a dinosaur um (laughs) but i do like uh firing off tweets on twitter i mean that's about the extent of my uh, I'm 23 and I still don't feel like I'm fully understand. I still feel like I'm a little behind on it. There's a lot of this, the YouTube craze, the Twitch craze is still something that's semi foreign to me that I'm trying to wrap my head around. But also you mentioned 10 years ago, you were that guy, Eric. I also think 10 years ago, you couldn't have imagined where you are today because you have one of the most unique jobs from at least from, from my perspective. I really want to talk to you because you're on this massive weekly MMA show with Ariel Hawani, who is the MMA journalist, like when people look at MMA, you know, media, he's the one everyone looks at. You're also, you know, working with Glory, which is this massive kickboxing organization, and Invicta, which is this really cool women's MMA uh, organization that the UFC actually puts on their streaming service. How the hell did all of this happen? Um, I, I uh, that's a good way to encapsulate it. I definitely feel like I have a very unique um, kind of place in the industry in the sense that for my job that you're talking about with the MMA hour, I'm part of the media. Essentially, I I wouldn't consider myself a journalist. I don't report hard news. I don't break news. I leave that to Ariel. Um, but I am, you know, a producer on a show. 
Um, so I do consider myself a part of the media. And then in my PR job, um, we have other clients, you know, outside of combat sports, we have lifestyle clients like, um, we have roots of fight, the clothing brand we have, um, on it, the supplement company and, and, you know, um, the, they make the kettlebells with the, with the faces on them, which are incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the primal bells and the zombie bells and all that. Um, but then I also get to work with glory kickboxing, Invicta, Metamoris, um, you know, some familiar kind of combat sports brands, but my job there is to get media to cover us. So on one side, I'm working for the media. On the other side, I'm kind of courting media. It's a very um, interesting dynamic. And, you know, Mondays, I feel like I'm in one world and Tuesday through Friday, I feel like I'm in another. Um, But to get back to, you know, how it all came about, one day I was kind of just surfing the internet, probably on, you know, stick skills, just posting, probably on IGN. (laughs) And uh, I had been working at Gawker, uh, the media blog network, you know, for I'd say a year and a half doing video editing and um, trying to, you know, produce content behind the scenes. Uh, it was it was a really fun environment, but I didn't see it as, you know, a future for me because I don't consider myself a writer. Um, I think I'm a good writer, but I don't want to be a writer by trade. So at that point, I had to kind of make a decision. What do I want to do next? Um, and it came to me uh, and we were talking about this a little bit offline, Josiah. I said, I want to do uh, something that I'm interested in and engaged by, and mm-hmm. every day I go into work, I want to enjoy myself. So, I, which is uh, the dream, I think, and it always seems like this almost unreachable thing, especially when you're you're out of college and you're realizing how hard that is. That's exactly the place I was in. It felt completely out of reach, but I said to myself, "What's what's the worst that could happen if I took a shot at it? Um, I could get a no, I could get rejected, and that's about it. I'd have to move on with my life." So, I was sitting on the internet, you know, surfing whatever I was surfing. I emailed Ariel Helwani uh, through looking through one of his old web pages for an, an email that I could find him. Um, and uh, I, I came ac- up upon his uh, old blog, jerrypark.com, mm. found an email for him that redirected to his current email and sent him an email that just said, hey, look, I'm a huge fan of uh, you know your work. I'm a huge fan of the show, the MMA Hour. I know you film it and uh, record it in New York. Um, I'd love to be a part of it. I'll get you coffee. I'll do anything it takes <laughs> to be a part of this show. Uh, because I love the show, I love MMA, uh, and I want to break into it. So I got an email back about, I'd say, two hours later. And as soon as it hit my inbox, I started geeking out. Uh, <laughs> Ariel knows this, but I try to not bring it back up to to boost his ego. Yeah, really. But I started geeking out. And uh, he was like, you know what? We happen to actually be transitioning the show from AOL to SB Nation. So at the time, they were on AOL, and uh, SB Nation acquired the show. Um, so they didn't have staff. And at the time, Ariel hadn't had anybody working on the show who was into MMA. He had people who were, you know, good on the technical side of it, but there wasn't anybody who was a fan of the sport who could kind of really speak to the sport uh, in the way that I could. So he said, you know, uh, it's great to hear from somebody who's a fan. Um, We're actually in the process of hiring new staff. So why don't you talk to this, uh, this executive at SB Nation and see what we can work out? So he looped me in with with a guy named Chad who works at Vox uh, SB Nation. And um, I interviewed there, I'd say, two weeks later. Uh, this is around December mm-hmm. of 2012. By January of 2013, um, I was working on the MMA Hour. I'd love that because it's it can be crazy to think a lot of times all you have to do is just be the first person to ask someone. Uh, it's reaching out like that, digging in and finding someone's email, and a redirected email. It, it, sometimes it can be that that's all you need to do is just show, you know, show that you have legitimate passion, that you have authentic passion for something and just ask the question. That's- I, I say this whenever I get the opportunity to, to anybody who's interested or anybody who's willing to listen. The biggest tip, the biggest like piece of advice I could give anybody is just take a risk, go out there because typically, you know, people are scared of the consequences or poo poo the idea and say, you know, well, Ariel's not going to email me back. Why am I wasting my time? Well, how long does it really take you to write that email, mm-hmm. especially about something that you're so passionate about and especially about something that could have such, you know, uh, long term financial financial and, you know, uh, enjoyment and happiness impact on your life uh, down the line. So it took me, you know, 15 minutes to write the email um, and it completely changed my life. So my, my advice to anybody, you know, who's willing to listen is to just do it to just oh, wow. That was the worst plug for Nike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Charlotte Wolf. It, is one. to just take that risk. You know, the, the worst that could happen is really not that bad. Um, and the, the potential gain is, is, you know, infinite. 
Um, so I emailed Ariel. Um, I took that risk. He got back to me right away. Uh, I started working on the show a month later. Initially, I was kind of more behind the scenes, you know, interning, you know, making the graphics, which I still do to this day. I, a lot of the responsibilities I had back then, I still do. But now I'm the producer, so I have a lot more responsibility in the sense that, you know, I'm making sure the, the show runs pretty smoothly from our end on the technical side, as well as, you know, getting the guests on the line, answering the calls, um, getting the Twitter feedback. And, uh, you know, now we're in a space where the MMA hour is as huge as it's ever been. Um, it's still, you know, the premier interview show, uh, in the sport. And then, um, through that show, I actually met, uh, John Beer, who is the head of currently Jack Taylor PR, um, through being friends with Ariel. And, uh, you know, that one email, I can't, I can't stress it enough, just completely changed my life. Now I, you know, I met John, he brought me on as, as an intern at the PR agency. Uh, now I'm, you know, soon to be uh, vice president of that PR agency where we get to work with the clients that I, that I listed at the top. Um, and I get to stay in that, you know, combat sports space, uh, quite a bit. So I, fe I feel very fortunate that every day I really get to do something that I enjoy doing, get to work hard at something that I feel, um, you know, has great reward and, uh, you know, produce a show and, produce uh fight events that that people like to watch one email like and of course it's i'll stress also it's not always going to happen like that you're not exactly. always going to send the one email to the one person you look up to maybe you won't get a response maybe they'll say i'm sorry we don't have any we don't have any jobs don't let that discourage you but it's one email that got you on what's now this massive show it's got you this whole entire other uh, career opportunity and it keeps it's, it's building from one email and it's it's really insane because I remember working when I was at Stick Skills. Uh, I my one like the one writer I had always looked at as one day I want to both write for him and be able to write at his level was Kevin Van Ord, who uh, has, was a GameSpot for nine years. He's now working at Tryon Worlds. Um, and when I was at Stick Skills, I reached out to him to say like, "Hey, I'm doing an interview." It's actually like three people I'd interview. Uh, for Darksiders 2, which was this big game, this big action game that I just uh, reviewed. And I asked him if he would kind of join me for this interview and we would both talk to them over this Skype call. So he joined the interview. It, the interview went really well. And from that one email, I became kind of friendly with Kevin. And then from there, I emailed him later to do freelance work for GameSpot. And I remember I pitched him like, hey, can I do a review for you on... I want to do a re-review for Final Fantasy VIII was my pitch. Uh, and he said, no, that doesn't really work for our site, but just go write a feature about it and we'll post that on GameSpot. And from there, I got consistent work. I write, you know, reviews for GameSpot every week now. I've been featured from there. I was featured on IGN. I was featured on Video Gamer. I've been featured on all these different sites. And if it wasn't for me reaching out to Kevin that one time to do work for Stick Skills, which once again goes back to if I wouldn't have reached out to Doug, to write for stick skills it's none of this would have happened so once again crazy to think how much one email can do but if you're ever kind of sitting around saying god i wish i could do something that i'm passionate about and that i'm really proud of that i can produce and say like look at how cool this is sometimes it takes one or two emails to the right person as long as you're genuine about it and then it just snowballs crazy to think how it can happen that way i think one thing too for people is that uh even if you get something that's like maybe not right now or talk to me in the future, like always be working on your craft and trying to find ways to kind of reiterate on what you're doing and see what works. Like if you're doing YouTube videos, look at your analytics. If something is getting you views or not getting you views, then there's probably a reason for it. So like keep reiterating if you're a writer, get other people to edit your work. I know when Josiah was there, I had him, he would edit some of my stuff. Sam Nolan, who I think was probably one of the best editors I've ever worked with, would just make something that I had that was really poor and make it sound incredible. Um, so there's always people you can reach out to that will assist you and like help you become better to get where you actually want to be. I still work with Sam Nolan now. He uh, was my roommate for four years and we still keep in touch. He lives in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I live in Jacksonville and uh, we'll still like pass along articles to each other every once in a while. I'm like, hey, can you look at this? And that's super important, I think, Doug, because not just with writing, with video work, you need someone else to look at that before it goes live sometimes. And I was talking, I had Tommy Toehold on the last episode about the idea of sometimes you look at your own work for so long, you don't know if it's funny. You don't know if it's good. You don't know if maybe I used 
a certain adjective way too much in this one part and it makes it not sound great. Uh, sometimes the blinders go on when you're looking at your own work because you keep looking at it over and over and you're not seeing the small things that other people would. And not only do you, it's hard to do, but you need to find an editor who can be honest with you. You have to be able to look at those edits, understand they're not trying to be an asshole. Well, they might be trying to be an asshole. It's probably a new <laughs> editor if that happens. But if they're a good editor, they're going to be very clear, concise, and tell you this is not working. You need to rework this. And that's the best way to get better. Uh, if it wasn't for Sam, if it wasn't for all the editors I've worked with over the, the five years I've been doing this, I wouldn't have gotten any better. I would have kept doing the same mistakes. So I, do you ever have anyone, Doug, who looks at your videos before they go live? Or is this more of an independent thing? I'll get feedback. Like I'll reach out to guys like uh, you know QJB, who's a big YouTuber. He's got around four or five hundred thousand uh, subscribers. Sometimes I'll ping him and say like, "Hey, would you mind like looking at this? How's the quality? Do you think the transition's good?" Or I'll reach out to some smaller guys that I know, or even like my fiance. Like she doesn't care about like anything I do video game wise. She just wants me to be happy. And so I thought like, you were gonna like, say full stop there. She doesn't care about anything I do. <laughs> I mean, that's probably true. That's probably true. She's like, get away from me. But like I'll say like. Babe, can you look at this like video? Does that make sense? Like, did that sound really corny when I said that? And most of the time, she's like, "Yeah, that sounded horrible. You should not use that at all." She's like, "If I had to pick, like, Eric is like top five haters of all time. <laughs> My fiance is a hundred percent number one. Like, she will wow. Hate. Like, she, I'm. I feel like I'm a, a pretty big troll, but sometimes she'll say things, and I'm just like, "Dang, like, where did that come from?" Like. She's really good at, at cutting me down. But you need someone to keep you honest, right? Like mm. like Josiah said, your stuff, you might get the blinders on. You might think what you're doing is great. You need someone to kind of like tell you like, eh, it's not as great as you think. You could really improve it in X, Y, and Z. And, and that helps you keep pushing. Once again, if I didn't have all those people along the way, I would suck at what I do. Not saying I'm good, uh, but I get paid for it. So it must not be the worst thing they've seen so far. Uh, it's crazy to, every time I talk to you, Doug, to think about, looking back at where we were with stick skills uh i remember when you brought me on i had no idea totally what i was getting into because i remember i was like okay how many staff members and you're like well it's currently us like, <laughs> all right cool I people that just left at that point i remember that yeah, yeah i remember you saying that um and of course at the time it was a little scary because it's like well now like where are we to go from here but it was also super exciting to know that we kind of have this this blank slate like where are we going to go with it and it'd be just finding these people i would go all over the place like to different forums and uh, on twitter and find people who it's like i could tell that you can write well and you're not writing for anyone and you have share a similar passion that i do for video games or just writing in general here's this platform like of course it's, it's not a paid thing but i can a lot of those people who we worked with have gone on to do great things uh dylan was one of our writers and he's you know worked for kotaku he's he writes about MOBAs and esports yeah. and all these things that I can't even begin can't to wrap understand. my brain around. <laughs> but he's getting paid to do that now. And uh, Nick was another writer who now works at Harmonix. Um, and I mean, Todd is has an awesome YouTube channel. Todd is just so underrated. I feel like at some point he will explode. It's like, he's right there, uh, he's and phenomenal. he's rated S games. If I'm going to plug him right now, uh, yeah. he's been able to take this more critical look at different games so he'll take something like splatoon which is this wii u game and go really deep into it and he's not just playing playing it and talking about it he's taking all this time to give this in-depth critique of it and why certain things work and why others don't and he's i watched some of his videos the other day and i'm like i would have never i'm a reviewer i consider myself pretty good at what i do i would have never thought of the game in this way and that's when you know that someone's doing something that i think you're right it's going to take like one little thing and he's going to blow up Yep. Uh, and that's a lot of YouTube in general. Um, and I mean, maybe that one little thing is just some sugar-free Haribo gummy bears. But, oh, I mean, we should talk about know. this now. I really, we were talking before the show started about the sugar-free gummy bears. Can you tell me a little bit? Uh huh. So the sugar sugar-free gummy bears that if you eat, it sounds like not even that many. Like I'm saying, a few handfuls, you will be just shitting your brains out within hours. And uh, <laughs> I have one of my best friends uh, who's. A med student now he's <laughs> had tried this i think this is before he knew about how terrible they were so this might have been an accident i'm not sure if he was trying to do i don't remember but he ate almost a full bag and then had to like have people bring him water to the bathroom because he could <laughs> not stop shitting and he was getting dehydrated and if you ch ever check the amazon reviews 
it's, it's beautiful gold. poetry about people talking about the terrible response they would have from this. <laughs> it's so uh, bad. This is incredible. I'm actually looking at the Amazon reviews uh, right now. I've got one here. Um, I'm going to read an excerpt. Uh, but wait, there's more. What came out of me felt like someone tried to funnel Niagara Falls through a coffee straw. <laughs> I swear my sphincters were screaming. It felt my like my delicate starfish was a gaping maw projectile vomiting a torrential <laughs> flood of toxic waste. 100% liquid, flammable liquid, napalm. Oh. Uh, uh, and that uh, is Haribo sugar-free gummy bears five-pound bag. That That is something right there. So if you want to have a great weekend, buy that thing, open it up on a Friday, and just see where life takes you that was the uh that verse was a better was a better couple lines than anything meek mill has ever <laughs> i'm just gonna put that up <laughs> so i'm actually kind of excited for that entire feud to be done because it's like it was really good at the start and then the back-to-back track i really liked and now it's just kind of it's been dragging on well i mean meek mill's problem was he waited too long if yeah. he had come out with that track immediately after, it would have been like, okay, he came out with a decent diss track. Drake got pissed on. Let's let's find out more about that. That but was he, the thing but, that killed me. The peed on thing. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he didn't he didn't explain that any further. He just waited a week or you know a week and a half and and dropped uh, a steaming pile of doo doo. Uh, so that that was a mistake. Um, you got to be fast. As you know, I was known on the message boards for my fast response time. Everybody would call my name and I'd be right there with the response. That's that's the key. When you send out the signal, you got to be there. And Drake yep. sent out the signal with back-to-back and Meek unfortunately dropped the ball there. And I don't even listen to rap music and I know that that was a dookie track. Yeah, It was so bad. And I now he's getting sued it. by The Undertaker. <laughs> Which you, know, and he said he wants, the, he wants to tombstone him. <laughs> that might be the best part about it is like, yeah, he took way too long. It wasn't a great track and now he's getting sued. Like – the worst result possible for him was just, all of just, that. Just bad all around. Um, I mean, I'm you know not to backtrack. I'm still a little bit upset that I lost my hater crown to uh, to Dougie's wife. I thought I was the most diabolical hater this side. You of just the have to work harder. Like That's anything all this I've done, like if I win anything or if I do something like really cool, like she will immediately call me out. Like some, like when I hit 10,000 subscribers, I was like, babe, I hit 10,000 subscribers. Like that's cool, but you didn't do the dishes. <laughs> like, dang, can I, can I just be great for five minutes? That's amazing. My wife is uh, the complete opposite and I'm happy to have her in my life and I love her very much and I hope she's listening and I'm going to do the dishes and d- take out the garbage and all that stuff. My wife... My wife is actually not a hater at all, but she does hate uh, my current hairstyle, which I don't understand because it's gorgeous, magnificent, and beautiful all at the I same mean, time. It's not as good as the the wig you had on when you picked me up at the airport. Like, oh, the uh, Lionel <laughs> Richie thing or the whatever. Lionel, the Lionel Richie uh, Jerry Curl wig. I feel like that you need was... a separate Instagram account for your hair. So, like, I can actually, like, you know, the regular Eric Instagram account, like, this is my life, and the rest is, <laughs> here's the seven hair pictures that I posted see, today. See, that's a problem because my hair is my life now. So, there's only one account that could be, that could be made. Then rebrand that account because, goddammit. Oh, man. I was actually looking uh, on Twitter one day. I think Eric Weddle, who has an account that's called uh, Eric Weddle's Beard or Somebody's Beard. Oh, yeah, it's him. It's Eric Weddle. And uh, that's his primary uh, Twitter account, which is just incredible. So that, that's just yes. magic. You got to just completely commit to it. You can't. You can't half-ass this thing. Oh, a but Twitter is, account too to be all about your hair. Man bun too long for Twitter. <laughs> I think you need to register that now. Otherwise, someone else will. Just do NYR man bun. Just abbreviate. Nah, that's, that's not enough branding right there. That's that's, enough, that's not good enough. It that's might be the New York Rangers. Yeah. So at, about your hashtag brand. If you have a second, check out at Weddle's Beard. That's professional football player Eric Weddle's Twitter account. Um, so shout out to that guy. That's that's awesome shit right there. See, yeah, we've given the best advice over this podcast about how to affect <laughs> your uh, hair and facial hair. But let's actually let's spend a little time right here. Um, this is something that I like to do about kind of we've talked a lot about different advice for people who are either just trying to get in this or are kind of. They're far along, but not where they want to be. I like to kind of give people different tips for taking that next step, getting to a job, like you said, Eric, that you wake up and you're excited about and you're passionate about. Um, And since I have not actually really informed you guys about this section too much beforehand, I'll start. Over the the course of these different podcasts, I usually – I've mentioned 
the editor thing, which I think is super important to get your own editor. Also, the the making sure you have certain contacts in the industry where you want to be genuine, but you want to meet the the important people that'll get you further into it. Something that I was talking about, uh, something I was talking about before is, and something that you mentioned, Eric. So if you're going to use this, I'll steal it now. Uh, reaching out and t- taking that first step is sometimes the most important thing. And like I said, there are a lot of people out there who want to get in this industry, whether it be video games, whether it be MMA, whether it be becoming a YouTuber, but they don't think to do the easiest thing, which is to reach out to the person that can get them there. Um, and like I always say, you're not trying to use someone. You're not going to someone who has a million Twitter followers just because you know they will help you become famous. But sometimes the easiest thing and the best thing to do is to just take the 15 minutes, write an email, send that out, and see what happens. Maybe you write 10 emails to 10 important people, no matter what, whatever way you want to do it. Be genuine about it. And from there, more often than not, you're really going to get some sort of response. And if it's, we don't have any open positions now, please try again later. Maybe a year from now, you'll be able to get that. I've had that before. I think, Doug, the first time I reached out to you, I don't think you were looking to bring anyone on. And I think you reached out to me over like N4G, which is a very (laughs) weird site. It was either, I think it was something like that. And I remember we talked at one point and I didn't join. And it was like a year later when I did. So that's going to happen sometimes. And that's fine. Sometimes you don't always have a year. Uh, You might need to just work a job you're not passionate about for a while while you're waiting. But I'm a pretty strong believer that if you're passionate about something, if you're hardworking, and if you, you know, consistently do the right things like reaching out to the right person and getting an editor, you're going to eventually get to where you want to be. So that's my storybook, overly positive look on life. Well, I mean, since since you straight up just jacked what 100%. I already said earlier, um, <laughs> I'll switch to I'll switch to something else, which is an, another good piece of advice. You know, other than making that first step, which as we've you know said a lot uh, on this podcast and, and touched upon a lot, is very important. Um, is you know, don't be afraid to to vocalize and to show people um, the kind of interest that you have. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who may not have been super proud to say, "Oh, I play video games," you know, ten hours a day. Um, 10 years ago. And now those are the same people who are making, you know, millions of dollars on their YouTube. Well, that might be an exaggeration. I'm not sure how much people make on YouTube. Uh, there's but, the biggest guy makes not to once again, talk about money so much, but around 7.5 million a year. Yeah. So this guy's, you know, making $7.5 million and there's, you know, people who are making less than that, but enough that it, it's a worthwhile pursuit. Don't be afraid to kind of have these hobbies that are maybe niche or maybe offbeat. Um, I, I was a big fan of MMA when it wasn't a popular sport. And it was something that, you know, you talked about with the few people who knew about it, but it was hard to kind of find people. Um, now, you know, Ronda Rousey's the biggest thing in the world. She's on Ro- she's in Rolling Stone. She's on, you know, New York Times dot com. Um, and everybody is, you know, following MMA as, as a legitimate sport. Um, so these kind of niche interests foster them and and, you know, have pride in them and kind of use that as your springboard for what could be the next step. Um, you know, develop them and, and be the best that you can be in, in terms of producing things for them. Um, what in, it doesn't only have to be a hobby that's, you know, a sport or a video game or anything like that. It could also just be curating your Twitter. It could just be, you know, developing a personality on a Twitter or on a message board or on a YouTube channel that is your own and is authentic. And people will find it and people will like it. In the current age, it's very easy for people to stumble across things and for them to, to blow up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, foster that and, and be, be yourself. I, I can't stress enough the importance of um, being genuine because these people who, you know, are putting on a personality that is hard to sustain um, will eventually e- either A, get run down from having to sustain that or B, get dis- discovered as a fraud and um, have to, you know, change their their game plan. So if you're authentic from the start, if you're, you know, speaking from the heart and um, kind of using your personality, maybe you can amplify a little bit like they say in pro wrestling, you know, take your usual two and turn it up to a 10. But you know, be authentic and, and cultivate um, whatever it is that that you'd like to be or, or like to do. And online is is a great way to kind of do that these days. And don't be immediately discouraged when you don't blow up. Um, Absolutely. You start doing this on Sunday, and by Tuesday you have 
one retweet on your last t- 20 tweets, maybe you should probably make those a little bit funnier. But I, it's not going to happen immediately. It just doesn't. Why are you, why are you making fun of my account? Man? I can't help it. I, it's every chance. I'm going to try to up on these rankings of all these people who are dissing you. I feel way out of the loop. I'm only nice to you. This is a bummer. You might be like yeah. 205 right now, so you got oh, a lot of work God to do. Damn, I don't even think you know that many people. All right, Doug. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I think for me, you guys have kind of already killed it, but I'll touch on a few things. Uh, one, don't be cookie cutter. Uh, there's so many people, I think, that when they first start, they're trying to emulate someone who's already famous. Well, like, you're trying to get into that similar feel, like, that's really not going to work. Be your own person. Be, you know, how Eric kind of said, be genuine, be authentic, and go about things that way. Um, take time to actually reiterate or iterate on your actual work. Just because you do something once does not mean that's going to be the formula. I started doing videos like a long, long time ago, like years ago before I even started this YouTube channel. And over all that time, the eight years that I've been doing this, I found a formula that's kind of worked for me. Uh, initially, my videos were hot garbage and they didn't really work at all. And I thought they were great. But you kind of start seeing like, okay, I got a little bit more views here. I started researching other things and I got a little bit more views because of this. And then the last thing really is just like interact with whoever your audience may be, whether you're a content creator for videos or you're writing or you're trying to, you know, have Rick's man bun Twitter account or whatever you're doing. Like if someone is responding back to you, always talk to them. Don't just be one of those accounts that you create something, someone's commenting on your work and you're just leaving it alone. Like literally talk to those people because if they're giving you enough time to actually care about your work, it's going to make their day when you actually respond to them. Even if you only have like 200 followers and you respond back to them, that's going to be someone that's going to continuously come back because they feel invested in your work. It's important to, I think, build that audience. Because like you said, even if it's only 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, uh, you, you can't expect right away to have this massive following. You start, you foster that. you And of course, I, I really like the don't be cookie cutter because there are so many people right now on YouTube who are just playing a video game and talking over it. You have to give people a reason to actually choose your channel over everyone else's channel. And that's easier said than done. There's not some easy math formula for like, okay, well, if I decide to the entire time I'm streaming video games, have a little live feed of a man bun in the corner, everyone's going to want to watch my YouTube channel. Like it's maybe it's that easy. Who's, Actually, who's man bun might that be? Uh, it's just going to, there's cameras in your apartment right now. It's just going to be on your man bun. I'm actually, no one take this idea. I think this is going places. But other than that idea, usually like it, it takes a bit to develop your personality, uh, which sounds weird. But sometimes you don't totally know the specific uh, intricacies of your personality that make you unique until you really stop and think about it. Uh, and yeah, if you just decide that you're going to play call of duty online and say fuck every time you get shot and take that headshot and like do teabag stuff you're probably not gonna get a million views unless you're really good at call of duty and hilarious so yeah i i I really really like uh identify with those last two points about you know not doing what's cookie cutter and um uh doing something different it's such an important thing because you know myself for example i don't know about you know how you guys have you know analyzed your own personalities but me i'm not a very um, creative person by nature in the sense that I'm not very good at creating something from nothing. Mm. Um, I don't have the vision to kind of, uh, do something completely off the walls and just make it work. Like, uh, you know, a guy like Tommy Toehold, he took something that didn't exist before and kind of created it and made it into a viable business for himself. I don't have that kind of creativity, but what I am very good at is playing off other people. So when I have, you know, a partner, um, when I have somebody who I can, can play off of. I'm very creative in that sense. I'm good with, you know, comebacks and retorts and, and, um, I'm good at, uh, developing and building upon things that are already established and making them, uh, my own that way. But I'm not very good at building that kind of foundation. If I had to compare it to something, I'd say, you know, I'm more of like an improv, uh, I'm, I'm more of like an improviser than uh, a stand-up comedian in that sense. Like if you just mm-hmm. gave me a stage and a microphone, I'd probably freeze up and not be very good. But if you put me on the stage with a bunch of people who are also creative and kind of let me um, have free reign there, um, I'd probably do very well. Um, so it's important to kind of know, you know, your limitations and your and your strengths. And, and that idea of just copying what everybody else is doing uh, is one of the things that many people fall back on because they don't have that creativity. But what I'd say, you know, is it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about connecting with other people is 
kind of find, um, you know, people who are like you or have similar interests to you and see if you can play off them rather than having to come up with something completely new on your own. Uh, if, if that's one of the areas that you're limited, like, like I myself am, I'm very, um, honest about that in the sense that I, I could not do what some of these people do, uh, creating something from scratch. It's just and not in me. It takes a while to understand, like you said, if you're a stand-up comedian or someone who needs to improvise, it takes a while to understand where am I strong? Like, do I need, am I really good at like Tommy Toehold and a lot of friends I have coming up with something completely new or do I need to kind of borrow a little bit and then make it my own? Also, just letting you know, uh, New York Rick Manbun, it's one letter, one character too many on Twitter. I was so close to registering it, but currently it's New York Rick Manbu. So, um, <laughs> I kind of like it. Might be, yeah, I know. I'm kind of thinking about doing that, but I was... Oh, one button away from creating that account. I'll t- it's terrible because top knot is also seven letters. Oh. Um, so, just, oh wait, man bun is six and, and top knot is seven. So we're, so we're uh, yeah. running character limit. We might need to just do New York Rick hair, but mm-hmm. I won't steal it. You can have that one. <laughs> uh, you get permission. So uh, I think it's about all the time we have. Uh, Eric, pimp your stuff out. What are you, what are you doing? Like where can people find you? Talk about some of the events coming up. This is this is your chance. You can literally find me uh, <laughs> in Las Vegas this coming week for Glory. Um, I'm heading out there on Tuesday. The fights are on Friday. If you haven't seen it, um, it's the best. Uh, it's the best combat sport on earth. Um, and I say that as you know, an, a hardcore MMA fan. I really, really enjoy stand-up kickboxing. Um, so check it out on Spike TV, 11:10 Central this Friday. Um, you can find me on Twitter at New York Rick. Um, now that's Rick with, with a C there's no K on it. People often make that mistake, but it's just N E W Y O R K R I C. Um, and, uh, you can watch me on the MMA hour every Monday, uh, at 1 PM Eastern on MMAfighting.com. Great. Doug, go for it. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at who is due. You can find me on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash good game, bro. Please don't make any jokes. And uh, if you're in Virginia, you can find me stripping probably at some random town when I'm trying to make extra money. So yeah, you go from club to club. You're pretty much, pretty much. How is the Virginia strip club scene? I mean, I don't want to say like it's top five in the world, but I'm not going to say that it's not top five in the world. So I'm just going to let you use. <laughs> is that your because you're there? Are you like the all star of Virginia? I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Building the brand. Um... <laughs> You'll, you'll find my stuff on GameSpot. You guys know this. I guess I'm on this podcast every week. Well, thank you guys both for joining. Uh, hopefully one day I can we can all get in one place, play pickup basketball. I'll actually sit and watch while you guys play. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm down. Because it's no That's way. okay. Dougie will sit and watch too while I uh, make a rain. Wow. Please please come to Virginia in <laughs> September. Please. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this before a fight breaks out. All right, guys. Thank you for coming. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And please tune in for the next episode of The 1099. 